This is Lex Talk League of Legends. Today's episode is going to be about the LCK finals, which finished today, where Genji defeated T1 in th three to one fashion. So basically just my my thoughts on the players and the you know the event right after the finals happened. So just finished watching them. Uh, watched the interviews as well. And here's a couple of things that I thought about. So first thing is, you know, my my whole thing is legacy. So the first thing I want to do is I want to look at the, you know, the legacy of the players that won. So of course the Gen G roster is Doran in top, Peanut in the jungle, Chovy at mid, Pays at 80 carry, and Delight as the support player. And as always, I'm just going to go top to bottom. So as far as Doran goes, um, winning another title is pretty cool for him. So Doran's somebody that I never really respected as a good player. Or was well, a great player. I mean, he's always been pretty good. I, I did, you know, when he was on the Griffin roster and they had the option to switch Sword for Doran. I was one of the big supporters of that decision. But after seeing Doran play the next couple of years, I, I always thought he was pretty good. But I've never thought that he was, you know, a great player. I, I felt that this finals was probably the best performance that he's had. It was really exciting to see Doran do such a good job, especially in a season where even though he was voted as an all-LCK top laner, I think that the general consensus around the community was that Doran was probably the worst player on Gen G. And his Gragas play in this finals, you know, had a huge impact on the outcome of a bunch of the games. He just was really good overall for the entire finals. And I think it's time for Doran to get some respect. When he was on DRX and Nuggery absolutely annihilated him, him in the 2020 summer finals, you know, I kind of knew that was going to happen. I didn't really think he was going to be a choker. Like, I don't think it's a choke if you just play a better player and they wreck you. Uh, that's not a choke. You're, you're actually just supposed to lose. So in this season, that was kind of what was supposed to happen against Zayas, actually. So Doran really was supposed to just get obliterated by Zayas, and that did not happen at all. So kind of shout it to him. I think that this kind of solidifies his legacy a little bit. He's certainly not a legendary top laner in any stretch, but he's carved out quite a solid career at this point. And I think that having a you know, a second championship in the LCK, especially over, you know, an, a legendary team here in this T1 roster, I think it's really going a long way as far as validating him as a great player. So for Doran, you know, he's not a legendary player, but I do think that now that he's a two-time champion, he's, you know, had a lot of great playoff performances in the last couple of years. I think that he's really, you know, earned our respect. So Doran, big, big shout out to him. He, he had a great final. Uh, next up, we have Peanut. Now, Peanut, this is his fifth LCK title. Which ties him with Bangi, according to the LCK, uh, as the most winningest jungler. So he's got five titles. Bangi has five titles, although there was a final that he just didn't actually play in. So I always kind of consider Bangi as only having four titles. But either way, Bang Peanut is... You know, officially, either just first in titles among junglers or joint first with Bangi, depending on how you look at it. Uh, this is also Peanut's eight, his eighth domestic final, which is the most of any jungler. So this guy, like, he's got a, 
He's got to be looked at in the greatest jungler of all time argument, I think. And obviously that's been true for several years now. But the body of work is just incredible at this point, right? Like Again, this season, voted second team All-Pro Jungler. That was his ninth time being... Okay, so I, I always look at the MVP points as well. So in the seasons where there was no All-Pro, I'm counting it as an All-Pro if you were top three in MVP points for your role, for perspective here. But Bengi would be a four-time first-teamer and a nine-time All-Pro overall in his career, which would be the most for both of those categories. He's also led all junglers in KDA uh, six separate times, uh, six different splits, which is the most in that category as well. So he has the most awards, the most KDA number ones, the most domestic finals, and the most domestic titles among junglers. He's also got an MSI championship, uh, as well as winning the MVP of that MSI as well. He's got a two, he's got two playoff MVPs or finals MVPs, and he's got a domestic MVP as well. So at this point in time, Bangi or sorry, Peanut probably has the most complete resume ever by a jungler. I, I think it's going to be really hard to t keep him out of greatest of all time debates going forward. I, obviously, he's always been way up there. But the last couple of years in particular, he's really changed who he was as a player. So Peanut, when he came out as a player, originally when he was, you know, on Najin for a couple of games and then became a Rocks Tiger, he was really just known for his mechanical play. He played basically the same way that Owner does now. He would be on these fantastic teams, he would play a ton of Lee Sin, and he was just an incredible mechanical player. At this point in time, though, Peanut really hasn't been that mechanics guy for a couple of years. Uh, even his MVP winning season, he wasn't like that. He's become more of a brain jungler, especially uh, on his time with Gen G. And I think that a lot of that is probably that he has Score, who's, you know, probably the smartest jungler of all time as his head coach. So maybe it's rubbed off on it. But Peanut has really just become, you know, the second coming of Score. And it's, it's interesting. I feel like they're almost living vicariously through Peanut, where Score as the head coach is now finally winning titles, and he's, you know, trained this other jungler to be just a genius. So I think that it's really good for Peanut's legacy to have another title here, because he's won basically everywhere he's gone. Even the years that he, even the year he was in the LPL, he actually still made it to Worlds. Now, the team didn't go very far, but it just goes to show how successful this guy's been over his career, and I think at this point, it's going to be really hard to debate that he isn't, you know, if, he, if he's not the greatest jungler of all time, he's, he's really close. Uh, I, I personally still think that, you know, probably Canyon has been better, even though Peanut kind of beats him in all the categories. I think the eye test kind of shows that the peak of Canyon is probably better all time. Um, other players like Score, of course, like the head coach of that team. And then you kind of have to start looking to other regions to get another jungler who's up there with Peanut. So just another great performance. Uh, he wasn't the star of this series, of course, but it just continues to solidify his incredible resume. He's had so much success. And I just feel like the last couple of years especially, it's been hard to not look at Peanut in a different light because he's changed his playstyle so much and gone from gifted, super mechanical monster to 
you know, one of the intellectual leaders in his position. And the captain of a team that probably has the best macro play of any team in the world right now. So it's been just an incredible ride for Peanut and definitely looking forward to seeing him in the future as well. Next up here is Chovy. Um, my big thought with Chovy, really less to do with the finals and more to do with he's finally getting these trophies. So Chovy's a player where even though he's now a two-time champion, uh, he's also made an absolute ton of finals. I think he's at, I believe this was his seventh domestic final, which is second among all midlanders in LCK history to Faker, of course, who I believe has 14 finals. But Chovy now has as many finals as Showmaker and BDD combined. But he's not really there in the titles department. So I'm really excited to see Chovy finally get his titles because for the longest time, there was a period where he was zero and five in the finals. And now he's won back-to-back -back championships. So I think it's about time. Uh, and this is really exciting too because for a little while, when Chovy showed up, I kind of felt like he almost missed his own era because he made the finals in the first three seasons that he played, lost all three of them, came back with DRX, made another finals run. Just the team, you know, got destroyed by that legendary Dom Juan roster. And he's 0-4 in finals. And as somebody who's watched a lot of sports and has watched a lot of League of Legends, you don't tend to get that many cracks at it. Showmaker only made three finals. He won them all. BDD has made four finals. He's won two of them. And he won his first two. If you're going to win one, you usually do tend to win it early. And you don't tend to have that long of a window. There's players in, in lots of sports where even though everybody knows how great they were as a player, they never got to win the championship. And for a while, I, th I was worried that Chovy was never going to win the championship, even though watching him, you could see his greatness the whole time. And if you don't win very many championships, it, it just gets really difficult to talk about you as one of the greatest players of all time, because ultimately the goal is winning. So I think it's very exciting to see Chovy win his second title. He's still got a long way to go to catch somebody like Faker, but he's now able to get into that argument. Obviously, nobody's really contesting the title of greatest player of all time because Faker has really lapped the field there. But I think that for a little while, when Showmaker had three LCK titles, an MSI finals, a world title, looked like he was about to win another world title, there was a period of time where it just looked like Showmaker kind of stole the era from Chovy. And that that was it. That Chovy, you know, missed his opportunity. He didn't capitalize on the four finals that he made. And he was never going to get, have that kind of success. But I think at this point, you know, Chovy's kind of stolen the reins back. And now you can have these arguments of, is he the second greatest mid laner of all time? Is he the second greatest LCK mid laner of all time? You know, how does he stack up against even players like Rookie? I mean, you can really start to have that conversation. It's not like Rookie has a lot of trophies either. But if you don't win any, it gets very difficult to have that argument. So I think that it's exciting. That's very validating for Chovy just as a player to be so good for so long that he, he never had those trophies. So it was always something where you, it was a black mark on his career. Uh, the Chokey nickname where he was 0-5, so he was the famous choker in finals. It, it's very validating now to see him kind of get his, especially in an epic finals like this one where A, it was a great final, B, he performed very well, but C, it was against a legendary team 
that was heavily favored. So it's exciting to see people, you know, get those big upsets, have those legendary moments, because this is going to be a very well-remembered final because of the nature of it and because of how heavily favored T1 was. So for Chovy, I think that this is pretty big for his legacy. Not so much that it changes his rating. I mean, a lot of people just have him as the second greatest LCK mid laner anyways. And I'm probably in that camp, although I do think Showmaker and BDD are, of course, very close. But I think it solidifies his argument because you never want to be the guy who has that black mark um, in the way that even somebody like LeBron James is treated in the NBA because he has a losing finals record. A lot of people have said crazy things like he's not clutch. Which, if you look at the games, he, he's definitely clutch. But it's the same issue that you're seeing with Chovy is if you just lose enough, people don't even look at the performances after a certain point. They just go, oh, well, you keep losing in finals. You must be a joker. So I do think this is pretty validating. I'm excited for Chovy. I'm very excited to see him at MSI for the first time. And it's nice to see him as a winner going in MSI because he's going to be, he might be a tournament favorite, which is really, it's very thrilling to see this happen because it's, him having only two trophies actually feels like kind of a letdown based on the promise of his career. He was so good so quickly that at this point in time, it, it kind of feels like Chovy was probably supposed to have maybe five championships. He probably was supposed to have an MSI or maybe a world championship under his belt at this point. When you kind of look at his legacy, because, you know, that's what Showmaker has. But it just never seems to work out for Chovy. So I'm excited. I hope that they're able to capitalize on this and win MSI as well. Um, it's, it looks to be a very good tournament. But all in all, it's just extremely validating for such a great player to have him finally get a second one under his belt. Though, so, repeat champion, very exciting. Next player up is Pays. Now, Pays is a Royal Rotor. He's the first one in a long time in the LCK. We haven't... Especially, it's not just that he's a Royal Rotor. It's that he really was a huge performer in this event. He was the finals MVP. He might honestly have the best... It, it's, it's not you know, locked in, of course, but he honestly may have had the best rookie season ever by an AD carry um, for their first split ever. Uh, it's also hard to look at players who played in like 2013, for example, when the game was a lot newer. So it was hard. It was a lot easier to kind of rise to the top. Back in those days, you could see rookies wind up top three in the world in their position with relative frequency. But now we almost never see that. It's very rare that we see a rookie player anywhere near the top of their position. But he was voted into an All-LCK award, and now he's the finals MVP. He broke the rookie 80 carry kills record. I think it might even be just the very close. It might be the all-time kills record. I'm not 100% sure. It, it's probably pretty close. I'll have to check that. But it's, it's one of the best rookie seasons that we've ever seen. So it's super exciting to have a new Royal Rotor winning in his very first split, and also being a huge contributor to it. Because a lot of the Royal Rotors, if you look at them, they're players like Tom, who you've probably never heard of Tom. And there's a reason you've never heard of Tom. He wasn't very good. But he's a Royal Rotor. But nobody cares. So if you're going to be a Royal Rotor, it, we probably want to be able to remember it. And I think Pay is just completely delivered. It was a fantastic performance, and he is the truth. I thought he'd be a very good player in general as a rookie because he was really a good challenger player. 
And I felt that Gen.G was a team that was going to be able to play around that because they already had Ruler as an MVP, so they knew what they were doing as far as playing around an AD carry. But I still didn't think the pace was going to be quite this good right away. And it's extremely promising, especially the fact that in the playoffs, he seemed to be even better than he was in the regular season. So he's just looking phenomenal. I'm very excited to see how this guy's career plays out. And I hope that he continues to dominate at this level because it's it's special. There's not that many players who just out the gate look like this and are this talented already. So it's going to be exciting to kind of see how things play out for him. And next up here is Delight. Delight, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts for Delight. He had an amazing finals. I, I think his KDA was 27 and a half or something, which I think I think he maybe only died once, something like that, if he died in the whole series. So he was fantastic, uh, especially against an opponent like Caria. It was really incredible. I think Delight especially is one of the players that's just kind of showing that there is talent on some of the weaker teams that if they're given the right opportunity, they're going to excel. So hopefully we'll see more players kind of get promoted from these low-level teams like Fred at Breon to a team like Gen G where they can excel. And hopefully we see more of this because Delight has been a really good support player. I'm, I'm surprised how well he was able to replace Lehens uh, because Lehens is also a very great support player who he's who he ended up replacing. But I think that Delight really just delivered. And that's that's the main thing that I have here. He's been, you know, almost shockingly good. He was always a pretty good player on the other teams, but it's really exciting to see this guy show up in the finals because sometimes you just don't really know what you're going to get when it's somebody's first final. And he's definitely not a choker, that's for sure. So this is very exciting. The whole team, very excited to see them. Good for a lot of the players, especially people like Delight, where all he needed was his opportunity. So now we're on to the losers of the finals here, uh, T1. So I'm just going to go over the, the T1 roster. Now, I'm not going to spend as much time as I did on the winners because I don't really like to just, you know, basically just insult teams, right? So it, that's not very fair. I think you should really focus more on the winning than you do on the losing. But uh, the T1 roster, all five players were voted all pro first team. That is Zayus in top, owner in the jungle, Faker at mid, Gumiyushi at AD carry, and Karia at support. So we'll keep it relatively brief. Uh, the main points that I wanted to look at were really Zayas and the narrative starting now that Zayas may be a bit of a choker. So I actually took a peek at some of the finals that he's been in that he lost. So that is uh, MSI last year, the World Championship finals last year, last year's summer finals in the LCK, and of course this spring finals in the LCK. So as far as the MSI went, uh, he was against Bin. His laning was pretty good. Uh, he was really strong in lane actually, and he was ahead most of the games, but he was never able to convert any of his leads in actual success for the most part. And he ended that series with, I think the worst KDA of all players, but certainly not a very good one in general. He had a 1.2 KDA in that series in the MSI Finals, which was pretty underwhelming, especially when you consider that it was a pretty competitive series in general. So you'd think that he probably wouldn't have suffered to such an extent. Uh, the next one, of course, the World's Finals. I have, you know, a whole 20 minutes or something just on Kingen. 
So I'm not going to get too into the details, but of course, you know, Kingen was able to kind of just embarrass him in the last year's finals. Now, that was relatively competitive, but Kingen wasn't supposed to be a threat at all. Zayas was supposed to destroy Kingen and then take take the world title. And instead, what happened is Kingen embarrassed him and became the finals MVP. And Kingen, you know, he's not playing very well this year either. So Kingen's not somebody who's a superstar. That was supposed to just be Zayas. It was supposed to just take it. And we're going to, we kind of see this trend. Now, Bin, uh, who beat him on RNG at the MSI, Bin is more of a superstar. So that was less shocking, but still very disappointing. And now uh, on to the LCK finals last summer. We had him against Doran as well as this final. So same thing. Last summer in the finals, Genji completely dismantled T1. And a big part of that was Zayas just under-delivering. So in that series, that three-game series where they lost all three games, Zayas had zero kills and had a 0.6 KDA and was negative 301 gold differential at 10 minutes. So he absolutely got pounded by Doran. Again, just like King and Doran, even though, you know, I said, you know, early in this episode, deserves that respect quite a good player. Doran is still not, he's not peak Nogri. He's not peak the shy. He's not, you know, MVP level Smeb or someday or Duke or Marin. Doran is a good player, but he's not supposed to destroy you. In the, in the summer finals, Doran absolutely embarrassed Zayas. Now T1 was supposed to lose that finals and Genji had, you know, a historic run. So, the result was to be expected, but just the actual punishment that Doran put on Zayas in that finals was really bad. And then, of course, in this finals, uh, same kind of thing. So Zayas was really good in lane, so still a huge improvement from the last finals. Uh, but he wasn't really able to convert his leads. Uh, he had the he had a 1.5 KDA, so that was also the lowest in the in the finals as well. And it was a far cry from the level we've seen now. I do think that that got, does kind of point out that maybe Zayas does have some finals choking issues. As far as his performance, so there's a difference between being a choker and just not being that good. So when Doran in the 2020 finals got obliterated by Nogri, Doran didn't choke. Nogri was just way better than him. He was just supposed to, that was just supposed to happen. That was expected. That was the expected outcome. That's what everybody thought would happen. When you're an outclassed player, that's fine. That's different. I'm less surprised by that. Now, it's still the same level of performance, but being a choker is this. In the finals, all of a sudden, you're just half as good as a player. And I think that's what seems to be happening with Zayas because he's consistently being the number one top laner in the LCK. So he's played three splits, uh, 2022 spring, summer, and then of course, 23 spring. Uh, he played like 10 games in the previous year, but that doesn't really count. I'm not really looking at that. So in those three splits, all three splits, Zayas was voted as the all pro first team top laner. I also agreed with that. So he would have been my pick as the best top laner in the league for the last year and a half. And one of the best, if not the best top laner in the whole world during that same time period. And yet he's routinely failed in these finals. Now they do have the 18-0 summer split or spring split in 2022, which obviously I didn't talk about because they did win that. Uh, 
But the rest of these finals, he just looked like half as good as a player because he's a super, super good player. So you just shouldn't be seeing a guy completely fall off like this. His stats are so much worse. You can see it with the eye test. He just becomes, seems to be a non-factor. And I try not to label players too much as chokers, but I think in this case, you know, it, it's got to be something. It's got to be some kind of the stage is too grand type issue. The, the lights are too bright. Hopefully, Zayas is able to kind of change that narrative. Uh, a lot of players have, you know, players like Smeb had that narrative about them, and then they tur turned it around and became champions. And, you know, we're very successful players. So hopefully Zayas is able to kind of turn that around because he has so much promise as a player. Just in the first year and a half as a pro, he's been excellent. He's been one of the best top players in the world. So if he can kind of just get used to it, level out, just play, you know, 95% as good as he does in the regular season, if he can just take that to the finals, then that narrative is going to go away. Because if you just keep winning... Nobody can call you a choker anymore. So I do hope that he turns it around. But at this point in time, I do think that he does have a choking issue. And it does, you know, give me some hesitance going forward that maybe I don't trust him necessarily as a superstar player. Because the regular season results are all there. He's been so good that to see him struggle like this over and over in the finals, is it's a little bit concerning. Uh, as for owner, I don't really have a whole lot to say about him. I felt that he played pretty well. Uh, he was all over the place. His mechanics look great. Um, I don't really see any problem with his play. I don't want to go, you know, too far into the players that I just, you know, it's pretty much what I expected. Um, but owner, you know, pretty good series. His almost invincible record on Lee Sin was damaged a little bit, especially in that game. I think it was the game four where he played Lee Sin and they lost as well. So he took a, took a couple losses, especially on champions that he's famous for. So that's a little bit of a hit to him, but I don't really think we saw the same kind of underperformance from owner that we saw from Zayas. Next up is Faker. Uh, again, you know, Faker's the greatest player of all time. His legacy is so ridiculous. Uh, he's got so many more championships and accomplishments than anybody else in history. There's really not much to look at here. I would say, basically, this doesn't really affect his legacy almost at all. Uh, I would say the smallest thing would probably be that, you know, I think that Faker's been kind of overrated again this season, but mostly in, like, a slight overrating where this this whole thing where every player on T1 was voted the best player on their position does look kind of silly now that they had that extremely competitive series with KT where they almost lost, and then, of course, losing the finals to Gen.G., I kind of felt that, you know, maybe Faker's been getting a little bit more credit as a player than he kind of deserved in the last couple of years. He's not the same guy that in 2015 was just destroying everyone in the world, no problem. At this point in time, Faker's not as good. He's still a very, very good player. I mean, I had him on my second team, so it's it's not that I'm trying to disrespect him, but... This is, you know, it's a little bit underwhelming. I don't think he had a terrible series, but... It was, it was a little bit disappointing. Uh, Guma Yushi's the next one. Again, I just... I was kind of low on this player. Now, I say that, but I still thought he was, you know, a very strong player. I thought that any of the top five LCK AD carries could have won awards. But to see, you know, the number one AD carry, supposedly, just kind of get completely outclassed by Pays the entire series, who's a rookie, it didn't do much for me. 
I'm not I'm not saying they should change the roster. I, if I were T1, there's no chance that I would change any player on this team, even if I thought I could get an upgrade. Mostly just because I don't want to mess up the synergy of a team that just makes every single finals. But as far as Gumiyushi goes, it's a little bit disappointing again. It's the same thing with Karia as well. You know, Karia, it's your second time being the MVP of the league. You're supposed to be the best player in the whole world. I didn't really see a whole lot of Karia in the finals. I, I felt that he just didn't really deliver either. Uh, the bottom line as a whole, I mean, they just didn't really seem like they got a whole lot done. I don't really think that this, you know, damages their legacies too much. With Caria, though, uh, it is kind of the same thing that I've said about Chovy, where I feel like at this point, his career, as far as the trophies, is almost a little bit disappointing relative to how good he is, because this guy's a support player who has two MVPs. He's made a ton of finals, but he has lost almost all of them. Uh, and like Chovy, I just kind of feel like at this point in Caria's career, you know, we probably should be looking at a guy who's maybe a world champion. He's an MSI champion. Maybe he's got three LCKs under his belt. And instead, you know, he's not any of those. He is an MVP. He is arguably the greatest support of all time. But when we look at the career of the other people that we'd compare him to, like Mata and Ming and Mako, those guys want a lot of hardware really early. And... I think it's it's a little disappointing. It's a little bit disappointing, and I think it's okay to be disappointed in a guy who had the greatest season ever as a support player and then didn't really deliver in the finals. Because now you know, the standard's very high. It's not, oh, well, he's only a support. What can he do? I mean, this guy was voted the MVP. He was supposed to be the best player in the whole world. I didn't really see a whole lot of that this final. He didn't have a terrible finals, but you're. this is just one of those ones you're supposed to win. You're the 17-1 and one team with the best record you've got all the best players according to the voters you're, you're just supposed to win this one so again it's a little bit disappointing with Caria because I'm a, I'm a big fan of him I think he's the best support player we've ever seen I don't know he's I don't know if he's the greatest because I people like Mata and Ming and Mako exist but he's he's very close to them in greatness and he's probably the best because none of those guys were ever close to winning MVPs outside of Mata who won the world's MVP. But if you compare him to Mata, I mean, Mata won the LCK three times and the LPL and won worlds. Karia has, you know, he, he lost the MSI finals, lost in the world finals. I think he's made, I think this is his fourth or fifth finals now and he's only won one. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but... It is a little bit disappointing because when we look at his legacy, there's it seems like there's going to be a lot of those, oh, if only they won that game. Oh, if only they won this one. You know, he's inches from the finish line several times in his career at this point where we could be looking at a guy who's literally an MSI champion, a world champion, and a three or four time LCK champ. And instead, he didn't get those. So it's a little bit disappointing. I don't want to hate on Karia too much. He did have an amazing year, but it's a little bit disappointing. All right, so the last segment that I have here on my finals thoughts for the LCK finals are, it relates to the new format. So I'm a big fan of this loser's bracket format because especially in this season, we can already see that we got a different champion as a result of having a loser's bracket. So if the loser's bracket did not exist, 
then the LCK champion right now would have been T1 because we already saw this matchup. The winner's bracket finals would have been the actual finals if we used the original format with no loser's bracket. So if we use the format that we had last year, T1 would be the current champion. We never would have had this match. We never would have had this exciting series, which is one of the best finals, you know, probably ever in the LCK. It's certainly, it's probably the best finals that was a 3-1. Some of the 3-2s are, you know, they're legendary, they're better. But as far as finals that were a 3-1 victory, this is probably the most exciting best one. And we would never have gotten this match. We never would have had Gen G as a champion. Uh, we never would have had the KT Gen G series. The champion would be T1, and that's who would go to MSI. And on top of that, with the new MSI format having two or having two contenders, we still get T1 at MSI, but we get a different narrative because now we have Gen G who looks like they've got their stuff figured out, and we have still a very scary team in T1. In previous years, we never would have got that. And it's very exciting to see that the LCK finally added a loser's bracket because previously, when they had the old gauntlet system, they definitely had the worst playoff format in all of League of Legends, easily. Uh, the playoff format, the gauntlet was terrible. You would have these players who their very first playoff games ever were just in the finals and then they'd underperform because you didn't have time to ramp up. Like in other sports or in other esports even, players just kind of, they they have these periods, right? So you look at a player like, like Giannis in, in the NBA and his first couple years, you know, he's not that great. He develops into this all-star. He develops into an MVP candidate. Then he becomes an MVP. You know, he's making playoffs. First, he's, you know, making the second round. Then he's making, you know, the semis. And then he finally breaks through. He has the year where he wins the championship. And that's usually the natural progression. Occasionally, you'll see people who are Royal Roaders, like, you know, like Magic Johnson, for example. But most of the time, for most players in pretty much any sport, you'll see the guy, you know, he has that level where he's a great player and he's developing and then he becomes a star and then he becomes, you know, a superstar and then he, you know, he's making the first round of playoffs, then he's making deep runs in playoffs and then finally he's making finals and now he's winning finals. There's a progression. But when you have a terrible format like, like a gauntlet system, essentially if a player is just too good early on, like they're really good rookies, They'll just make the finals and then completely choke because they've never played a playoff game before. They've never had that opportunity to see the bright lights. They just show up. They're immediately in the biggest possible situation and they can't handle it. So we get these players like players like Chovy where he he was almost too successful because he made the finals in his first three splits. <laughs> like that whole Griffin roster did. So they never, they always had this massive experience of disadvantage. Like if you looked at the teams that beat that Griffin lineup in the finals, it was the KT super team with a, every single player on that team was a former champion except for the mid laner who they had subbed in that year. And then if you look at the T1 rosters, those were super experienced veteran super teams where all those guys had had success before. And then they were against these young up and coming kids and the experience, just they were able to be steady and the young players weren't. So I really, really like this new playoff format. And I've always thought that we lost a lot of LCK history. And that's why LCK finals have historically been pretty bad. I think a lot of it's the format. I don't think that many teams get to pick, like, get to pick up the pieces and figure it out. Whereas if you looked at the old OGN formats, I mean, you saw splits like Faker's team gets third in their first ever split. Then they win it. 
in a very close fashion. Then the next split, they completely dominate it. They have the perfect 15-0 and then they fall off. And then he comes back into the LCK. But you have that storyline because you get to build it up as you made the quarterfinals, then you made the semifinals, then you made the semifinals and lost, but you still got third. And then you have the, you know, they make the finals, but you lose. Then you have the finals where you win. Then you have the finals where you win in dominant fashion. So you get all these different experiences when you have an expanded playoff bracket. And this loser's bracket already goes to show this format's vastly superior because we ended up with a totally different champion than we otherwise would have. And if you look at the other leagues... So the LPL finals and LCS finals haven't been played yet. Uh, this is, I'm recording this the day of the LCK finals being comp uh, completed. And I think there's some European playoff stuff going on, but I'm not watching it right now. I'll watch the VODs later. So I don't know what's happening after that. But as of this point in time, the LPL instituted the loser's bracket in 2021. So they've had four champions declared since then. 2021 is when they start it. Immediately, 2021 spring, RNG becomes champion. They come from the loser's bracket. So just like Korea, the very first split of the loser's bracket, you get a loser bracket champion. You get a different outcome than you otherwise would. 2021 LPL summer, exact same thing. EDG comes out of the loser's bracket, beats FBX in the final. FPX, biggest loser of the loser's bracket of edition because they would have been two-time champions and one of the best teams ever, and instead they're just remembered as a team that choked away two finals and then failed at Worlds. So history can look very different depending on what kind of format you have. But you can already see the very first two splits in LPL history where they have the loser's bracket, they ended up with two different champions. And that resulted in an MSI title in 2021 for RNG, and it resulted in, you know, you had a world title with EDG as the Chinese champion. So it worked out, and we got a different version of history as a result of just having a loser's bracket. Now in 2022, uh, neither of the champions won from the loser's bracket. They were both the winner's bracket finals, or finalists, but two out of four splits for China has been the loser's bracket team has won the title. If you go over to Europe, Europe has now had, I believe, seven splits. Yeah, 2020, 2021, 22, and then the winter split this year. So they've had seven splits with a loser's bracket. On four separate occasions, the champion of Europe came out of the loser's bracket. So again, that's four champions that would not have been champions otherwise because the winner's bracket finals would have been the real final. And we ended up with a different outcome. So four out of seven. Two out of four in China, one for one in the LCK. And then if we go to the LCS, um, same thing. They've had six splits. So they had 2020, 21, and 2022. Six, six different champions. Three of those six have come out of the loser's bracket. So 2020 summer TSM, 2021 summer 100 Thieves. So that's the number one seed for Worlds, both of those years. The first two years had a different champion and different number one seed for Worlds than they otherwise would have. And 2022 uh, spring, EG was the champion coming out of the loser's bracket as well. So all in all, that's what? 18 splits in total. So seven in Europe, four in China, one in Korea, six in North America. So we ended up with these 18 splits. So 18 possible champions. And of course, 10 of them, so more than half of them came out of the loser's bracket since loser's bracket's been added to the playoffs. So 
more than half of the champions for those seasons would have been different if there was no loser's bracket. And that's why it's really important to have a good format. Because we would have had totally different versions of history. Like, G2, three of their championships came out of the loser's bracket. We just have a different history. I mean, G2 goes down as one of the best teams ever because they... They win four championships in a row in 2019 and 2020. We don't get those 2020 championships if they lose to Fnatic and there's no loser bracket. We just don't get that. We don't get that storyline at all. It looks, it looks completely different. And we don't get the 2021 LPL champion RNG in spring, who then goes to MSI and beats Domwon. We get a different team. We, you know, we probably get FPX, I guess, I think, based on the seeding, because FPX is the winner's bracket champion. So we would have gotten the FPX versus Domwon MSI finals instead, most likely, unless FPX dropped off in MSI. And we just would have had a different version of history, and I'm glad that we have this one. So I'm a huge supporter of the Losers Brackets. I'm really glad that the LCK finally initiated it. Uh, they no longer have a crap playoff format. It's still not the best playoff format available. I think that Europe has a pretty cool format right now, especially just their season format in general. But I'm glad that the LCK has this because we would have ended up with a totally different champion otherwise. So I'm really glad they did it. I'm a, I've always been a big fan of just having a loser's bracket in general. I really hope that they add that to all the international tournaments as well, because especially events like 2018 Worlds, we probably would have seen a different champion if we had a loser's bracket, because you would have had that fantastic RNG team would have had another chance. The you know KT would have had another chance. Even if we got the same champion, because IG was just amazing on that patch, we still likely would have gotten a better final instead of a 3-0, because if there was a loser's bracket, I don't think that Fnatic was the second best team at that tournament. I think that Fnatic goes out in the loser's bracket, probably somewhere like fourth or something in it. Uh, we probably get, you know, a KT-IG finals rematch would be really cool. Or we get, you know, the IG-RNG finals. That would have been a super exciting. So we would have got a better history. So especially the really competitive world championships, I think we could have ended up with some really different results if we had a loser bracket. <clears throat> Even last year's Worlds, it would have been interesting to see what Gen G could have done. Or JDG. Maybe JDG gets it together and ends up winning Worlds. Or Gen G. Right, so we could get a lot of different results. I'm a huge fan of the loser's bracket. I, I'm very excited that they finally added it to the LCK, and I'm glad that it made a change in history basically immediately. Because the story of this tournament would have been... Holy crap, is this T1 team the best team ever? Because they would have dominated the LCK regular season. They would have won every single player award. They would have won the LCK spring split uh, with that 3-1 winner's bracket final. And that would have been it. They would have had that close call against KT, but then they would have beat Genji in the finals. And maybe we're looking at, is this the best team ever? And instead, we get a totally different story with a great upset finals. And Gen G is the champion. So going forward, you know, I hope they add more losers brackets, but just in general, that's my my big thought after the final is, you know, thank goodness that they changed the bracket because this format already delivered immediately. So even if the losers bracket doesn't result in new champions more often, I hope it's not, you know, 80% of the time they come out of the losers bracket or something, but looking at all the other regions, it seems like it's about half the time. And it's probably going to continue to be that way because a lot of the time you get that team that, you know, just needs to run it back and have another chance. And just 
more playoff games is better. We want to have these really great best of five series. And we want to get these great storylines. And if you don't have those chances, it, it, it can be a little bit disappointing. And also having a loser bracket means that you're more likely to get the good matchups. Because there's always that, those years where you're like, oh, was the third place team secretly the second best team in the world? Um, what would have happened like in the rematch? Did this team who you know was the best all year and then they lost, would they have had a chance to just flip it? Uh, and I think that we're going to get a lot better playoffs in the future just in LCK. We've already seen it. This is one of the best playoffs. It probably is the best playoff that we've had since the OGN era. Because all of LCK history was mostly that terrible playoff gauntlet format, which never really resulted. You just never really got to see any of the teams play each other. Especially that first game series that was just a best of three, which was pointless. So this is really exciting, and that was really my, my other biggest thought. So outside of the legacies, the players, and my thoughts just on the match in general, uh, this was my other big thought, was just, wow, this format, I'm so glad that we have it. Finally, because it, it changed history. Uh, that's the end of, you know, my post-LCK finals thoughts. I will, you know, after the LPL finals wrap up, I'll probably do some pieces on that. I've been wanting to do an LPL one for a while because I do watch, you know, I do watch other leagues. Um, I wanted to do an LC or an LEC one after the winter finals as well, but just never ended up recording anything. So I think I'll do an LPL reaction once that finals are done as well. But until then, thanks for listening.